you're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics and are allergic to cheap rhetoric. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to a third season of Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast about faith and learning, education, and all that jazz. It's unbelievable that we started this just just under 12 months ago, and here we are, September of a new year, starting a new season. Happy New Year, Riley. Here we are again. Yeah, Happy New Year. So in this new year and new season, we would like to not only talk about ideas and a podcast is full of talking, um, but really hope to um, live out or maybe embody some practices. And uh, one of those, of course, in our corner of the world and something we, we see as, as very important to do is to acknowledge uh, the, the territory and the land that we're on. So Riley, can I turn it over to you? Yeah. As we start this new year, we would like to acknowledge openly on this podcast that is taking place on the shared ancestral, traditional, and unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, specifically the Kwantlen, the Katsi, and the Semiamu First Nations. Yeah, I can't believe that it's it's not even been a full calendar year. Is the tea okay? Yeah, I'm just trying to make it not bang the table. That's one of my yeah. goals, pers- professional goals. For new year, new you, no smashing the tables with, yeah. with mugs. Same tea, new sound. Yeah, same mugs too. Great mugs. Yeah, it is a new year. And it, it, yeah, it's so interesting to experience um, a, like a completely new group and then responding in my role as a teacher in Christian education to the spiritual formation that's going to be going on over the next 10 months uh, in my class and responding to where these kids are coming from and how spiritual formation takes place outside of my classroom and seeing what, what they're coming in with their bags, what Lego pieces they've been given to them already that they're, that they're ready to play with and whatnot. So uh, it's actually a really exciting time to just get geared up for what it is that's going to happen. Okay, Riley, I'm going to throw a curveball at you right away. Here we are, new year, new beginnings, we're still kind of excited about, you know, the new seating plan, the new students. And you just talked a whole bunch of things. I'm hearing flashbacks to our first season of all these lofty spiritual things. Are we ever in danger, do you think, of over-spiritualizing what it is we're doing? Yeah, I I was just about to say yes, 100%. Uh, and now I'm rethinking that. But I, I the, the answer is for sure yes. And here's why. I was thinking about this. A, a couple of days ago because I was in Christian education myself and I was thinking about some of my experiences in maybe in middle school or in other okay. grades, not high school particularly, but other grades and how I was thinking about what other teachers were for me and maybe major spiritual formation moments in my life that took place in those middle years and how some of them, this is not in a disrespectful way, but some of them I look back on and my spirituality is so different than some of those moments that I can look back on in middle school. And there is obviously like, maybe not a hero complex, but there is a revolutionary complex that, that maybe you come into Christian education. You're like, man, I'm going to do things differently and I'm going to bring things uh, and we're going to change things and, and X, Y, Z. And then you have the realization that actually for a, maybe a good chunk of these kids, for some of these kids, for who knows how many of these kids, but for enough of the kids for you to realize that actually uh, 
the moment you're making for them might be one that they look back on and say like, yeah, you know, I've, this is me now. I'm some like, maybe they've come a different way spiritually, but then you also think that like that, that could be still that great moment and whatnot. So it does still have a lot of currency and weightiness, but yeah, I was thinking just the other day that like, you know what, (laughs) you can try really hard and Mm -hmm. you can, you can live up to those, those high standards and you, and, and we should be pouring our hearts out into the, the spiritual formation of our students, but then also looking back and thinking not in a cynical way, but in a, in a realistic way, where might this be a shortcoming? And am I not, am I trying too hard? That's not the right way to say it, but am I over spiritualizing is, is maybe one of well, the best I think ways to say it. Where I was sort of going with this as well. I think everything you said is, um, is spot on. I'm thinking mostly even internalizing it to ourselves. Like there's that hero complex of we're going to come in and, uh, change everything. And, um, you know, that, that whole change the world, uh, attitude. Yeah. But I'm also thinking about just longevity, like leading to, things like burnout i mean because there's there's enough going on in in our in our new season and beginnings and it sort of amps it up right like it it raises the the bar to this whole other level of i've got to have the spiritual stuff figured out rather than the sort of the natural rhythm uh and the there there can be sort of a, a seamless or an effortlessness the sweet spot of uh allowing the spirit of God to work, of recognizing that there's actually, I'm thinking of, you know, Eugene Peterson's uh, long obedience in the same direction. Like the pace at which we're doing things, not gonna, it doesn't happen in a semester. It doesn't happen uh, in a unit plan. Or by making sure that you do devotions every day. Or, it's or, not a formula. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's not a formula. So um, I, I, I just say that I know I know we're excited as we, we hit this off. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe this is just sort of a less a cautionary note, but maybe just a reminder for us as we're in the thick of launching ourselves into a new year and new programs, um, that there, there can be an un, there should be an unhurried nature to this. And I think it's grounding. It's, it's, it's not cynical. It's, it's just a grounding statement into the reality of these students and the, especially the ones that have been in Christian education for a long time. Um, I heard on, on, it was on Sunday at my church that, uh, they addressed the board parishioner, the parishioner mm-hmm. in boredom. And I don't, and this is a total another episode, but trying to recognize that the board parishioner doesn't necessarily need more hype or more than actually maybe, yeah, you're right. Like maybe instead of putting a formula on it, that there's some mystery in this and that the Holy spirit can do its work. Um, and then also, and then just keeping yourself grounded in that reality. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes back to, to relationship comes back to who we are as, as people, who we are as educators and, uh, find, finding a grounding for ourselves in, in the spiritual tradition uh, and in our own, you know, to use to use our rhetoric, you know, our own relationship with God um, is maybe limited down. I'm, I'm hearing echoes of your dad here. Uh, let's sort of try less and be more. Try right? less and be more. And, and be more present with our students. He told me the other day, and this, and I actually, I'm, I in my recent schedule, we're going to talk about examples, but this is just mm-hmm. one of them, that I actually have taken, we have like a set 20 minutes every morning that is for devotions and I've stopped that. We don't do, in my class in the morning, we don't do devotions anymore. It's not, 
really you uh, rebel. Yeah, I know, and it's it, it's not a routine anymore. And what we do is we pray and we read the Psalms, and that takes maybe five minutes mm-hmm. if we read one every day and we pray together. And for me, I would like, and I maybe, and it's this isn't a formula for making this happen. But my dad once told me that if we can take our students past doing devotions, it means that they will start being devoted. And I think that that's way cooler than drilling in uh, just devotionals and making sure it well, happens. And, and to speak with the language of strategy, that's the lo- that's the long game. Yeah, for um, setting them up for. Um, yeah, a, a life of a life of, of spiritual maturity and, and growth and um, faithfulness, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, tell me a little bit about the the students you you're encountering. Yeah, well, here we are in the the first couple weeks, and it's interesting because. We don't have formulas, but we do have strategies, like you, like you just mentioned. And for me, I do have a couple of go-to strategies that I, I feel like I need to institute um, right away. So those, this, these are some things that happened in the first week. I thought normally last year it happened in the second week, but here we are right away. First Friday of the year, we jumped into a Bible class, and I have a whole lesson laid out in how to do this. But the the bottom line is to for these. 11 year old students to completely understand well completely understand to the best of their ability that god is like jesus there has never been a time that god has not been like jesus and that we didn't always know that but now we do and that's a brian's on quotation that i i use in my class and that's just a paraphrase of john 1 and colossians 1 yeah and using and that's just good theology like the some people make it controversial, but it doesn't have to be. It's just the fact that God, Jesus is God. God is like Jesus. And I feel like actually we need to see that the sooner the better for us to actually have a flourishing theological education or a Christian education. And that's, that is, as a theological truth, and I love the, the references you brought in that this is, it's not only just a biblical idea, but it's pointing us to Jesus. This is multi-generational like you can translate that you're talking 11 year olds i'm meeting a group of 14 year olds and i've got a group of 17 year olds and i know we have um, teachers who are listening in educators who are dealing with younger students this is a this is a theological truth that is um that can be broken down and explained to children Mm -hmm. and that's that's both rich and it's beautiful. And it gets you just way further with any age. If you have that understanding that God doesn't become this, the it really becomes grounded in, in who Jesus was revealed as. So um, it, it really sets us on a really strong, this is the right direction we're going. We're going with Jesus. So that's my go-to. Like there's more that stems out from that into a bit of a unit and whatnot. But that's that's really like first week, if we're doing a Bible class, this is what it is. Okay. Uh, but I'm curious for you with, with your teenagers or whatever, like here, we just did the first couple weeks. What was your go-to? What are you jumping in with to, to get these kids um, learning and, and, and growing and, and whatever else goes on here? Yeah, the, the whatever else goes on. Um, so th- there's two things. Whenever I can sound slightly critical, that's a little bit of my 
uh, sort of the, the hook for the teenager is to have the one eyebrow slightly raised and be just a hint skeptical. And we've talked a lot about that mm-hmm. on this podcast, how to do that in a respectful and healthy way. I just jump into the rhythms of what our high school is all about, which is spiritual emphasis week. We sort of front load um, a series of, of our chapels. So there's a lot of focus on setting a spiritual tone for the year. And one of the things that I do, and I know, again, I'm, I'm partnered with your, your dad in this when we're doing history and English, is to get across to the, to the students, uh, to communicate it and to live it out, uh, that the things we're doing in the classroom, even the nuts and bolts of getting the class up and running, and it can seem like relatively mundane things, that God is present in those, can be um, encountered in those things every bit as much as um, the flashy loud production that we do as well and this is not i'm not even going down the direction of sort of critiquing that is just it's both and sort of harnessed uh harness that wanting students to see the link between the chapel and my classroom yes it's a new understanding and it really is, I don't know, like, this This is a question, just me thinking out loud. It makes me wonder how accessible something like that would be to someone in middle years. Um, yeah, not, not to, not to teach a dualism in any way, but like just that that's a difficult concept, but it's very important. And then well, and I think you're doing that already with, I mean, you're, you're, well, that's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> be encouraged, uh, with your devotions or lack thereof. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and again, that doesn't have to be controversial. I think we're kind of looping back here. Yeah, um, some of the stuff we're trying out, or even some of the connections that we're trying to make, um, not formula, not so much that, but maybe a strategy towards spiritual maturity, might seem counterintuitive. We're done summer school. We're done summer. Um, Coming into the new year, what, what's coming with you from your summer? What were some of the highlights there? And uh, what, what were maybe some things you learned, you picked up, something new? What's up with that? So besides me uh, following you on Twitter, uh, taking your courses and all of that, um, I took a break myself, um, wasn't involved in courses, um, had, a, had a nice stack of, of reading materials, mostly, mostly for within the courses. So wasn't so much on faith, uh, faith formation. Um, but it was a lot of family time. We traveled a bit, um, taught my son how to camp, or we experienced that, did some camping. And uh, I think just actually living a, a rhythm of sort of practicing what we preach, of having healthy um, seasons of rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that to me, being able to sort of unplug and detach from sort of the grind of the classroom um, brings me back feeling feeling refreshed. I mean... If you were to ask me right now, I mean, I have the I have the mental um, stamina and capacity and excitement, um, but man, yeah, two weeks in or what? Oh, it feels like two weeks. It's only a week in. Yeah. Um, like feeling a good sense of tired. Like you know the difference between like just sheer exhaustion, um, which is kind of the the June grind, to this is a this is a good tired. I sleep well at night. You it's know? like a good workout. It's a great, it's a great workout. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
so that's where that's where I'm in now. I'll be I'll be taking a course again at Fuller. Yes, um, starting in a couple of weeks. Really grateful that Fuller Seminary's courses are on a quarter system, and I don't start until the end of this month. So it gets me started here in the class. And uh, just as a as a sidebar on that, taking uh, some some Old Testament theology. And part of my reason, it was a little bit strategic, is taking Old Testament theology. I'm teaching a grade nine Bible class. And our grade nine curriculum is actually covering the Old Testament. Mm. So part of my job, and I knew this going in, you know, in the summer as I was sort of resting, thinking, here's a link that's going to be really meaningful in the fall, is studying at, you know, graduate level, seminary, Old Testament, and then it's going to keep me grounded because I show up three times a week, I'll have 25, 14-year-olds in front of me, and we'll be talking about the same texts. Oh, I love that. Um, so uh, hold me to that. And, and listeners, uh, I, think, I think there'll be more to chat about. That's something very, exci- very something to be very excited about. That sounds fabulous. Uh, in addition to, to that, well, it's interesting that you brought that up because we, are, we cover the exile in grade six. So maybe we'll have to uh, okay. collaborate a little bit. I want to hear with what you're going to be doing with some of those, uh, those prophetic texts and uh, the, the and I plan to st- I actually plan to start with exile, um, seen as, you know, the creation uh, narratives, lar- Genesis largely comes out of uh, exilic writing. So mm-hmm. anyway, we'll, we'll play with that. And, I'll send um, you my unit. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Right. <laughs> And, uh, and hopefully, again, grade nine students would be uh, close enough to, you said that's grade six? Yeah. So there you go. Very cool. Uh, that's so exciting about Fuller and, and that connection that you can make. That's, that's, such a ju- that's such juicy professional development, I think. It's just happening. Like you said, it's happening at the, uh, concurrently in, the, in two different places. So uh, I had the opportunity to also go to, actually, well, I'm learning about this. Regent College refuses to call itself a seminary. They don't, Fair enough. They you, don't use that you, term. You won't find that term on their website. They're a graduate school of theology. Yes. And I think that's because maybe the term seminary isn't as multivocational as they'd like to be. And, and there may be other reasons. I don't know. I won't hold them ransom to that term. But uh, the graduate school of theology, and I was able to take a course uh, titled Grappling with Galatians with the legend himself, N.T. Wright. And it was the highlight of my summer. I, I could tell. Your, uh, yeah. <laughs> your, your Twitter feed was... Uh, lit up yeah bible 564 it was it was very 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 intriguing and just so much to learn and to to uh, wrestle with what was likely paul's first letter and uh, all the things that he's trying to tackle in that that text and how people like luther took it quite differently than than nt wright does and how we really want to come to uh, an accurate historical exegesis in which we can see the text through the eyes of a first century writer. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's N.T. Wright's heart. He, mm. he mentioned that so many times and in his free lecture, uh, at Westside church in Vancouver talking about just how like, that's really, that's the answer he says is to, if we can see this, like the first century Jewish people to have that, uh, historical exegesis where, where that's what he, he, that's his go-to, you know what I mean? We were just talking about go-tos and how we can get in the right direction. Yeah. It, once we have that, then we know which direction we're going in. Mm-hmm. So again, coming around to the to what we're doing on this podcast and what our hopes are for um, the season and for for those who are listening here, take take your highlight of your summer, your Regent course. It doesn't have to be a direct translate. You might not even be talking about Galatians um, with, with your grade six class, uh, but 
how do you how do you navigate going from I was about to call it a seminary, but from graduate innovative graduate school theological of theology, school yeah. uh, to your grade six class because there's always a translation mm-hmm. effort. I think that's what I was alluding to before. So. And I love that word translation because every teacher is translating. Every, everyone's Constantly. doing that. That's that. That's what it's like. Our our it could be another job title, but yeah, taking that into the grade six classroom. Yeah, for me, I think a lot of it, actually, before I take it into the classroom, I'm bringing it into the school. And that provides a space where I can collaborate with other educators who have the same role as me. This is the thing that mm. it sometimes bothers me to some extent, like not, not as a pet peeve, but just like, man, it's not my vision for me to be the Bible guy. No, you get typecast. Yeah. And then, and then. Because we're taking theology courses. Right. And then it seems like I'm the only one who could teach this or something. You know what I mean? Like I. And we have a podcast. Yeah. Which is not, not the point. Like. Exactly. I want that to be shared and I want to be able to create resources or units or whatever it is that other teachers can then understand and then translate on their own. I think another thing too, you know, because we have this, we have this in common. Not just not just the microphones and the podcast, but having uh, taken some some theology courses, is I don't know what this looks like in middle school, but in high school, I'm there's there's a transference and a and an open sort of sharing of me being a lifelong learner. So I'm I'm quite open with with students. Um, that I'm learning to, I don't, I, I don't use it as sort of a an excuse like oh I'm so busy or whatever. But I'm very transparent. Um, even in the, in the spring when I was writing a when I was writing a paper and going through research process, um, just being open of, of even some frustrations or it helped with some empathy um, to sort of connect uh, with with what my you know, very academic students in, in the high school were going through. So I don't know for, for you if there's even, so there's there's the theology part of it, but um, how explicit, maybe I could put it that way, how explicit is it, uh, that are you presenting that to your students, um, that you're involved, that you're a learner, that you're in, that you're, you're wanting to expand your own heart, you haven't arrived. I don't know if, if that translates in your, in your context. Yeah, I, it, I think it does because lifelong learning is definitely a, a, a worthy buzzword I'll say it's it's right it's, it's I know I was there. trying to avoid it and then I it, it slipped out no so I think yeah. it's I think it's a worthy one it's good and thinking about like hey I'm learning alongside you and that um like the 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 this is a common cliche but the journey that is our spiritual formation it's not you don't arrive when you're 23 it's lifelong so hence the term lifelong learning so recognizing that also um I think helps because you, students need to know that like it's, there's never going to be a moment where you're like a better Christian or that now you have it or stuff like that. It's always going to be mysterious. And people, like I used the Lego block analogy of like people, new information being new Lego blocks. I'm getting new ones when I read books. You're getting new ones mm-hmm. at Fuller and we wrestle and we play and we, we figure it out. And I, I should be very honest here i i've had i've had this backfire too it's not just this beautiful um trajectory i i've had moments where i've where i've maybe read a book or i've encountered something and i'm thinking last fall 
I, I picked up this one vol- – I won't name it because it's, it's an excellent book. But I – it was premature for me. I brought it into the context of a, of a Bible class and because I was all pumped up and jazzed about it. And it really fell flat. It actually created more of a distance um, between me and the student. Like, and I, I realized that I was drifting – out of sort of a sweet spot of being that translator, of being um, sort of a mediator between bigger conversations beyond high school. And I lost students. Like, I, like I, I realized that I lost them in trying to force something that I was excited about, but I hadn't fully thought it through. Um, so there's there's just a bit of a, uh, bit of a caution there um, yes. that, that we need to sort of... Uh, temper our, and I know you're with me on this, sort of temper our excitement of sort of like new, new, new all the time. And that, that I don't just mean with sort of educational pedagogy, buzzwords, fads in education, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in what we're talking about, people are listening in and being like, this is like, what, like some theology podcast and education, what the heck's going on? Um, it, they don't always just seamlessly meld together and... We just have to be aware of that. And I think that's such a valuable, I I love that you said that because we've already talked about no formulas, that there isn't one, but here is a a blatant example on how, um, how uh, I don't want to say finicky. That's not, that's not the right word, but spiritual formation is not, uh, it's so much, it's beyond just knowledge acquisition or engagement. It's we're, we're shaping these students for who they're going to be. So because of that, um, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, and that was a leapfrog moment for me. I was, I thought they could handle something that, that I, and my, just my own excitement might, um, might animate them, but it, but it didn't. So, yeah, just to be open to that. Yeah, thanks for sharing. So with the new season, and this is something we've been thinking about for a while, but I think we're, we're here, we're officially uh, it's time. getting the race started that we are going to have a podcast book club. So Dave, do you maybe want to share a little bit more about what that's going to look like? If only I knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see this book. Um, we talked at the uh, end of the first season, or was it summer school? Summer school. It was in summer school, and uh, this is the volume that was given to our grads, and uh, so we snagged a few copies, and that's uh, Ken Weitzma's The Grand Paradox. We even had a whole summer school. We were talking about The Grand Paradox. So um, we're looking at diving into this, Riley. Um I've read the intro and also the dust jacket. Mm-hmm. I think you've read the dust jacket. And the forward. And the forward, yes. Eugene chose um, forward. So diving in, this can be virtual book club. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be reading and then doing small segments of discussions and questions uh, for you great. to then engage with, uh, hopefully on a weekly or, or a biweekly basis when we publish. Yeah, so I mean, if we do that through... 
um, certainly Twitter. Uh, we're on Twitter, but um, our website. I think we could harness harness the website, mm-hmm. and um, we'll we'll link up. Right, we'll put this in in the notes um, so people can either find a copy of this or uh, even just you know you can listen sort of uh, vicariously through us as we read through this. Um, but I, I think it's something that would would jumpstart conversation, as fascinating as it is for us to draw our own examples and and what have you. Maybe we could actually model what we're doing and uh, and do some reading together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be great to dive into what seems to be uh, a, a a widely used spiritual formation tool specifically for teens, uh, and we're gonna. Uh, it's not on trial here, but we're gonna see what we can learn from here, which is gonna be great. Yeah, so here we are. We're excited for a new season. We got book club coming out. We got a lot of new episodes that we have planned out for the rest of the year. We're looking forward to interviewing some more people. We're looking forward to attending the Shaping Christian Learning Conference. It's coming up just a few weeks. We'll Calvin be there. College. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. This is going to be a great season. So that's it, folks. We've uh, come to the end of our uh, first episode of our new season. And uh, so, again, you can find all of our previous episodes and uh, a whole bunch of show notes and and info on our website, which is www.notmanyofyou.com. And uh, we are continually updating our site there. Uh, We are active and could probably be even more active. You'll notice that this season on Twitter. Uh, and our handle is at not many of you. And uh, so wherever you are listening to us from, whatever app of your choice, we're kind of all over the place. Um, we would so appreciate if you could give us a positive review. Helps us uh, spread the good news of <laughs> not many of you uh, should become teachers and, uh, and extend the faith and learning conversation. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.